before we start the show this week, I want to take a second and talk about this new podcast that just dropped. It's called Marvels. Based on the graphic novel by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, it's an incredible window into the Marvel Universe. The show takes place in the backdrop of the Fantastic Four showdown with Galactus, but it follows a photographer, student, and journalist on their mission to investigate a sprawling, super-powered conspiracy theory. Now, I took a listen to this trailer, and it's incredible. It really like gave me goosebumps at how cool it is. It feels like the comic book has come to life in audio form. So head over to marvelspodcast.com to take a listen to that. And if you actually want to listen to the whole show, go over to stitcherpremium.com and sign up with the code COMIC, C-O-M-I-C. You'll get a free month of Stitcher Premium, which will let you listen to the Marvels Podcast right now. That's stitcherpremium.com with the promo code COMIC. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two just really great people to be around. Paul Jaisley. Hello. And Kate Lamphere. Hi. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited to just talk about comic books. You know, I know Pokemon came out this week, but who even cares? Because you know what? Comic books came out on Wednesday, and they're coming out next week. I don't think Pokemon comes out every week. That's what I thought, people. (laughs) Gotcha. Boom. Burned. (laughs) <laughs> Let me ask the question I ask every single week. <laughs> How have you guys been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Paul. Hey, Mike. Uh, I've been pretty good. Um, I've been reading a lot of comics. It's actually tough to decide what I want to talk about on the show today. I've been reading so much oh, great wow. stuff lately, so that's a nice change of pace. I think the winter uh, weather we've had here in Michigan has been conducive to staying inside and reading a lot, so I think that's helped. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. But yeah, a couple of things I wanted to mention on the show that I read recently that I really enjoyed. Uh, first one is uh, Copra, Copra. I, I don't think we decided the best way to pronounce that. Uh, Copra, numbers one and two. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, the I guess, technically the second volume of Copra by Michelle Fife. Um, uh, if you aren't familiar with the book, Fife self-published the first 31 issues of Copra, and it's been collected in uh, nice collections from Bergen Street Comics. Uh, But Mm -hmm. it was recently picked up by Image, and now the second volume is uh, a continuation of that story, but it started with a new number one with the Image Eye on the front. Uh, It's really nice for Fife to kind of be able to graduate, quote-unquote, from self-publishing to Image, get a bit more distribution, because this book deserves an audience. It's such an amazing comic book. Um, Absolutely. And what's nice is if you haven't read the previous volume of Copra, the first issue of this this volume, uh, Fife does a really good job explaining the backstory. There's some back material in the issue where he recaps every one of the issues he did previously, the big events in those issues. He introduces the characters. So you can jump in with this number one and be all basically caught up, although you definitely should go back and read the original stuff because it's fantastic. Um, did I mention it's a great book? Because... It, Every time I read an issue of Copra, I'm just stunned by how visually exciting the comic book is. Like, Fife's been able to capture, you know, it's not a Ditko homage. He captures the action that Steve Ditko comics have with his own sort of flair. Reminds me of Ditko, reminds me of Steranko, reminds me of um, uh, Howard Chaikin, early Howard Chaikin, especially the way he uses uh, sound effects and... um, uh, text in the pages and there's lots of just like full page compositions it's just an amazing looking comic if if you're not reading if you like comics in any capacity you should be reading copra that's what i'll say because it's such a great example of the medium uh one final thought on this new volume for some reason they changed paper stock between the issues so the first issue has a matte sort of newsprint like paper stock just like the previous volume uh collections mm-hmm. did 
The second issue has the glossy image style paper that most image comics have. I hopefully they go back to the original matte paper. I like it a lot more, but that'd be my one nitpick from an otherwise flawless comic book. Yeah, maybe they'll do that for the collected edition, I'm guessing. Yeah. I feel yeah, like hopefully. that's definitely a better feel for the collected edition. I'm actually surprised to hear that the single issues did that. Because I feel like when other publishers do that, even at Image, the book usually yeah. costs an extra buck just yeah. because I think it's a different paper stock. So mm-hmm. w- w- was the cover price the same for both of those issues? It was the same as both three ninety nine, And I think issue one actually had some a few extra pages, a little bit longer than normal. So... Oh, I guess it's a good, yeah, I mean, it's a good way to get people to pick up the book with the same price point. And, you know, as I said, you have to be reading Capra. I mean, it's visually the most exciting book, I think, on the stand. I'm glad it's back and I'm glad it's getting the bigger distribution through Image. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I yeah. look forward to reading it in collected edition. That's the only way I've, <laughs> I found I can read that series. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's great stuff. So I'm glad it's back. And uh, those first two issues were exactly what you expected. So awesome. Awesome. Um, the other book I want to mention is another image book. Um, this was November number one or volume one. Uh, this is by Matt Fraction writing it. Elsa uh, Chartier. I'm butchering that name. Chartier, uh, on, maybe? Yeah, Chartier. Chartier. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, she's doing the pencils for the book. Uh, Matt Hollingsworth on colors and Kurt Ankeny An- An- on letters. Um, this is the first of a series of three OGNs, basically, that this team is doing. Um and I kind of popped up on Hoopla, and I was like, oh, I like I liked the cover image so much. I, I like Fraction mm-hmm. stuff. So I decided to check it out, and it, it's fantastic. It's basically a sort of gritty crime noir story that all takes place on the same night, and it's three different women whose uh, events or lives that night sort of intersect, even though they're not aware that they're intersecting. Um, so the first section is about a woman who gets hired by a mysterious stranger to do a uh, job where she's just basically uh, looking after an apartment, so to speak. It's, it's more complicated than that, but I'll leave it vague, you know, to avoid any sort of spoilers. But mm-hmm. she's doing this mysterious job. Uh, the second section is about a woman who finds a, a gun that's related to the first story on the street. She calls the police, and then the third story is the nine one one operator that answers the call about the 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 missing gun or the gun that the woman finds. So. It's a really interesting mystery. It's part noir, crime fiction. Um, it feels like a mystery that I need to reread a couple times because the, these three women's lives are being sort of uh, intersected because involvement of uh, one particular male character. And the section of the story that explains his background, I found not confusing, but there's a lot to unpack there. So it's a book I feel that the mystery will become more apparent after you go back and reread it. And it'll be fun to reread because it's such a great looking book. Um, Chartier's um, pencils remind me of Colleen Coover on Bandette or Mm. um, there's elements of uh, Darwin Cook's Parker in it because it's a crime book. Obviously there's the connection there, but her pencils and uh, Hollingsworth's colors are reminiscent of the Parker books because Hollingsworth colors each section a different sort of color palette and it's a color palette that's muted and kind of makes each section look almost monochromatic. So the first impulse I looked at the book, I was like, oh, this is like, he's just using a monochromatic single colors. But the more, as I went through it, I realized he wasn't. It just gives that impression. It's a really striking visual. And then Ankeny's letters, it's a very unique hand, um, it looks like a hand-lettered style so overall, the package it feels really unique and something really different from Fraction. I haven't seen him do in a while, and I was really surprised by it. So I'm curious to check out the next two volumes as they come out next over the next few months. It could be a really special book. 
yeah, it looks beautiful. I, I think I saw this on the shelf, and I mean, mm-hmm. I wanted to pick it up, but I don't need more physical books in my house. Maybe I'll, <laughs> no, I'll snag this on digital or something, maybe Hoopla or something in my area. Yeah, definitely. I highly recommend it. I was pleasantly surprised by it. So, Very cool. You know, it's interesting, just really quick, I feel like Matt Fraction was like on the top of the world for a few years, and then he kind of disappeared. And not to say that that's bad by any no. means, because I feel like you know other creators have done that, but I've noticed that he's just kind of putting out little books here, like left and right, like under the radar in some yeah. capacity. And they, I'm sure they sell well for people that are maybe following his stuff, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's interesting to see him go from the you know the, the height of, of comic fandom <laughs> to just kind of like another person in the sea of comics. Um, and yeah. I don't think that that's bad, like I said, but it's just interesting um, to see that change of things because i think the books that he's putting out now are far more interesting than maybe like fear itself for instance you know i know know that was years ago but um that was kind of the peak for him in some ways yeah yeah i mean i don't want to speculate too much because i don't know exactly but it does feel like between the work at marvel and the success of sex criminals it'd be easy to get burned out on that stuff but yeah he's doing great stuff between this and i'll talk about jimmy olsen a little bit later in the show but that's another book he's doing that is fantastic right so yeah exactly Cool. Well, Kate, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? I've been great. I have been reading a lot of comics also, and it was also very hard to decide what to talk about. So <laughs> um, I picked up a couple of number ones while I was at my local comic shop, you know, instead mm-hmm. of reading all the things I already own, as usual. Um, this is written, uh, I picked up Ghosted in LA. This is written by Cena Grace with art by Siobhan Keenan, colors by Kathy Lee, and letters by DC Hopkins. This is a boombox title, so I was expecting Feel Good YA, and it's exactly what I got. Um, this girl follows her boyfriend to Los Angeles to go to school. She has she has a fight with her best friend just before leaving her hometown. She doesn't like her roommate. Basically, everything's going wrong for her. Um, it turns out that the boyfriend's not that great. Um, she happens into this giant mansion someplace in town, and it turns out that there's a whole bunch of ghosts there. And she's like, look... You guys seem great, and my life um, is awful, so can I just stay here? <laughs> um, and it's pretty cute. Um, the One of the ghosts seems to maybe have some kind of nefarious um, ideas of what this girl should do with her time, and so I'm a little bit concerned for her, but it makes me want to read the next issue. So um, I also really like this protagonist she's really unique in terms of what i'm usually drawn to in comics she's really chatty including a lot of like aside boxes where she's kind of talking to herself or just um some digression in the conversation and nobody else around her seems to be really um rising to the things that she wants to talk about which is part of the what's going wrong but it makes her a very unique protagonist and she's also jewish which comes up with the necklace that she wears um her roommate is very religious for a different religion and seems to not like their difference there and she she makes a couple of jokes in the stories about like there's ghosts here the catholics were right about purgatory (laughs) 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 so i am drawn to read um issue number two It, it was very cute nice man i just googled this holy cow this is like the prettiest book i've ever seen yeah like, how, how do you draw so many pretty people in one book i don't understand <laughs> it. this is like i don't know if you guys read snot girl by uh brian lee o'malley and uh I, I, her name is escaping me but uh everybody in that book is also very pretty and like super hot it's like wicked and divine some people out there just have this talent to draw incredibly beautiful people this is exactly one of those books <laughs> 
Yeah, there's also really good fashion in this book. Like, all of the clothes looked really good. (laughs) Yes, that's the snot girl vibe I was kind of pulling from that. Yeah. The other number one I picked up was Invisible Kingdom. Um, It's written by G. Willow Wilson with art by Christian War and letters by Sal Cipriano. And this sounded really familiar when I was at the shop, but it wasn't on my to-read list. So I picked it up on a whim, but it turns out that we have talked about it on the show before. And yeah, that, yeah. that volume one is already out. So this turned out really well for me because <laughs> issue number one, which my LCS still had for some reason, um, was fantastic. And I want to read volume one immediately, please. Um, this book is like corporate espionage, but in space. And there's two protagonists um, storylines. One of them is kind of reminiscent of like the Firefly smuggler um, plot line, but she's mm-hmm. like, um, the captain of a transport crew, which is working legally for a corporate, the corporation. And then the other storyline is a nun N O N E nun, but it is for a religious, um, uh, community. So there's two very different storylines, but I think that they're both heading in the same direction about figuring out what's going on with this corporation. Um, and I was just so impressed by the character building. Everybody was so real. All of the relationships with people were really real, which was not great um, in some cases because the nun um, is met with a lot of racism um, because their race has four genders, which is mm-hmm. fascinating, mm-hmm. but doesn't seem to be a great thing in this planet that they're on at the moment. So I'm just super into the story. I want to learn more. And luckily the whole arc is out. So <laughs> yeah. And Christian Ward's art is unfucking believable. This dude was made to draw high sci-fi, crazy concept stuff. I, Oh, I love this book. It's beautiful. <laughs> I'm glad that you got on board. Kate is also what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just shocked. I didn't put it on my to read list. I mean, I'm usually drawn to the stuff that you, you, that you talk about Mike and this just never made it onto my, my Goodreads, my Goodreads, uh, account for some reason that's right i'll just start giving you a list you know outside of the show (laughs) uh well for me this week i read some books like on and off i don't know what it is i just haven't had the energy to read too much but i did like last sunday i think after the show i basically sat down and read like 30 comics in a row so i kind of made up for a whole week's worth of reading uh but the two books i do want to talk about really quick are uh ascender volume one this is jeff lemire uh dustin nguyen this is the continuation of their descender series and all i want to say is fucking a in my goddamn heart everything is terrible (laughs) and broken inside of me and this book is the reason for that uh it's fantastic it's a great continuation uh it doesn't feel like uh like i missed anything like i was worried that there was going to be like a ton of like history to to fill things in between descender and descender and the way that the story is crafted it's done in such a way that uh Nguyen and Lemire explain things to you as the book's going on. And so for people like me who have been reading Descender since the beginning, um, it wasn't anything new, but it was like a nice refresher of, oh, here are these people. Here's this thing. Here's what subtly changed from when we last left the story um, because there's a time jump and yeah, I'm, I don't want to spoil anything because I think you all should stop what you're doing. Go read all of Descender and then Ascender Volume 1 and then turn this episode back on. But uh, <laughs> it's it's a beautiful book. Nguyen's art is, as expected, in unbelievably precise somehow with watercolor and it impresses me every single page turn throughout this volume i think his work has only gotten better since volume one since the first issue of descender and i mean and this is saying from a guy who's absolutely established in comics like it's not like nguyen just started the dude's been doing comic books for years but you can you can 
tell by reading this book that he's really kind of honed in on how to do this very precise style of pencils with very elaborate watercolors on top of it and it's it's always impressive to see with this book especially with the range of characters and shapes and to do high sci-fi that usually requires like a precise like a clayton crane style to see it be done with this watercolor that's usually very flowy and airy uh is is very impressive and it this issue in or this volume in specific really touches on that even even to some fantasy elements i, I won't go into that but <laughs> it's it's very very good uh Otherwise, I also read a, this independent book. Uh, it's called Meal. It's published by Iron Circus Comics. This is by Blue Deliquanti and Solil Hull. Excuse me, and Solil Ho. Uh, it's a food comic that is essentially about how to make food with insects and <laughs> the history kind of behind that to a certain extent. Uh, this story follows. Uh, a main character who's basically moved across the country to try to get a job at this restaurant that's going to open up that's only going to serve food-based products or food products that have insects in them and the idea is like hey it's it's an asian latin fusion kind of place so you can get tacos or you can get pho or you can get something and it's going to have um insects in it in some capacity as the protein instead of chicken or beef or tofu and it's, it's a really interesting concept i picked this up at FlameCon earlier this year just because i love blue's work if you haven't read oh human star Boy, it's probably the best webcomic I've ever read. It hits you right in the feels, and it's such an interesting, strange concept that I I can't recommend it enough. Imagine robots in the future, um, but also two dudes are in love. (laughs) That's kind of (laughs) the basis of it. And uh, but meal, you know, is a is a very down to earth real story. Um, This, like I said, this person moves across the country to go work at this restaurant, and along the way, they kind of get a history of the a handful of cultures particularly mexican cambodian and uh uh history from from the people that she meets about these cultures that have used insects in their food for generations um and the main character herself you know she is half japanese and she talks about how she you know met her grandparents in japan and they went and had crickets and or these japanese style crickets i don't remember what exactly they're called but uh it's it's a really interesting look at an alternate take on vegetarianism and i think that you know it's it's kind of a you know question in the air is eating insects still considered vegetarianism but um even still i i really enjoyed it it was like a nice quick book it's like 120 pages with some recipes in the back and if you want to get your own mealworms here's how you make mealworm tacos (laughs) (laughs) it's really really cool uh so I, i highly recommend this to people if you guys get a chance so mike the obviously you're gonna have to try the recipes out right well the thing is like I'm not really scared to eat a mealworm. It's no. the tarantulas that I'm scared to eat. <laughs> um, I'm not really up. Yeah, they, well, they talk about there's this like you deep fry a tarantula and that's like a, a snack. And yeah. I'm like, it sounds cool in concept, but I don't know if I could eat a spider, especially because it's still in the spider shape. Yeah. Whereas with mealworms, you you know, you can kind of grind them up or you can smash them up and stuff and they don't really look like mealworms anymore. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to trying it. I just, okay. one, am bad in the kitchen and two, I don't <laughs> even know where I could. I mean, I live in New York. I could probably find somewhere that'll sell me <laughs> mealworms and tarantulas and stuff and yeah. crickets to eat. But uh, it's just a matter of actually putting the meal together. So right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll send it over to you, Paul. You can you can tell me you're you're vegetarian. So you'll try weird shit, right? That's how well, that works. Uh, well, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I'm kidding, the whole, I'm kidding, the whole I'm eating kidding. animals thing is kind of a uh, that's a no, no. So, yeah. <laughs> But let's take a second. Let's let's move on to talk about comic books that are coming out this upcoming week. Comics are dropping on November twentieth, two thousand nineteen. Let's hear what you guys are excited about this week. Let's start with you, Kate. 
First, I just want everybody to know that IDW is putting out a Big Hero 6 comic. Yes, like the movie. Um, And it looks like it's directed toward younger kids, so it's probably not something that I'm going to check out. But if you have kids, or if you like kid comics, um, the movie was delightful, so the comic will probably be delightful. But what I'm excited for is Grass Kings Volume 2 by Matt Kent and Tyler Jenkins. I read the first volume in trade, and so I've been trade waiting the second volume. This title has totally fallen off my radar. I didn't even realize that it was still going on, but I'm very excited that volume two is out. And Paul, what about you? Well, as I mentioned, I want to talk more about Matt Fraction, specifically his book, Superman's Pal, Jimmy Olsen. Issue number five comes out this week, and this has been probably the funniest book on the stands uh, the past few months it's been coming out. Really? So it's got Matt Fraction writing it, uh, Steve Lieber on on artwork with colors by Nathan Fairbairn. Um, it's a Jimmy Olsen book, but what Fraction and Lieber have done is done an homage to the Silver Age Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen book. Right. Without it being, without like making fun of it. You know, saying they're leaning into the silliness of it and kind of making it a sort of meta textual uh, book. But okay. it's a lot of like sort of like, but it's not that smart. I, I, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just a fun book without having you making you think too much about it. I guess that is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's self aware. It's self aware without making fun of the source material. Um, and, the the premise is that um, Jimmy Olsen, uh, there's a death threat against him, so he has to leave Metropolis. So he goes to Gotham as a under sort of witness protection. So he's living in Gotham as a vlogger named Timmy Olsen. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> okay, the last the last issue, he was doing a series of more elaborate video like pranks in order to get Batman's attention. Uh, since Superman can't help him out because that would reveal his identity. So, but it just seems like doing that to get Batman's attention is a bad idea. I don't know. Right, yeah, right? That's, that's what it sounds um, like to me. <laughs> so, uh, at the same time, Fraction and Lieber are also giving you a backstory about Olsen's uh, lineage. Turns out his family has been feuding with Lex, Luger, Lex Luthor's family in Metropolis for generations. Uh, so, you get a backstory there. And those sections, the humor that Fraction is doing is breaking the fourth wall. It reminds me if I'm dating myself uh, with a reference, mm-hmm. uh, but if anyone's ever watched uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, which is even before my time, the humor is very reminiscent of Rocky and Bullwinkle, um, which is kind of a treat because I remember watching myself when I was a kid. Oh yeah, um, me too. I, I mean, I watched it as a kid. So, okay. That's great stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a really fun book. Uh, it, it definitely stands out. It's a nice counterexample to the sort of uh, raunchy humor that Fraction was doing in Sex Criminals. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is more lighthearted. Um, it's a very fun book. And um, I, yeah, I, I think if you're not reading it, definitely track it down in trade when that comes out because it's, it's a blast. Yeah, I picked up the first issue of this. I never actually got around to reading it, but this okay. this sounds like a good way to convince me to do it. So I will <laughs> okay, I will yeah. have to grab the the first couple of issues of, of this or something like that. Just uh, or the remaining yeah. issues of the arc at least. Mm-hmm. Oh, for it's me, fun stuff. Yeah, for me this week I am diving into Valiant. I'm I'm going to be the Nick White this episode. Uh, <laughs> I think we kind of talked about it before. Maybe we talked about it on the Discord. Uh, Rye number one is coming out. This is written by Dan Abnett with art by Juan Jose Rip and. 
the story is Rai has to save the universe. Sure, I don't really care. Like, it's fine. Whatever Rai needs to do in the weird Valiant universe, I don't I don't really care. Um, I'm here specifically for Dan Abnett and Juan Jose Rip because that is a fucking killer combination of creative team as far as I'm concerned. I will definitely be on board for the first arc of this if only to see what kind of fucking insane shit Abnett has Jose Rip drawing for this book because if I, I feel like we're I was really... Uh, interested in what Matt Kent and Clayton Crane were doing with Rye, and I really that team drove me to the book. And with Rye, this is again not Dan Abnett and Juan Jose Rip. That's what's bringing me to the book. And Rip's art is unbelievable. Like the dude's done a bunch of really crazy shit over at Avatar, and that's where I first really heard about him. If you ever want to kind of feel a little bit grossed out about superheroes, I would highly <laughs> suggest re- uh, reading No Hero. This is by Warren Ellis and Jose- Juan Jose Rip. Uh, it's Kind of gross, kind of out there, but it's definitely a it's an, a shining example of what Rip's art is capable of doing, which is gross you out, but be incredibly detailed. Uh, like, this is the same kind of crazy detail level that you would see in, like, a James Stokoe. And it's always been impressive to me, but I like the way that this guy shapes people's faces. And I don't know how else to describe it other than that, but uh, I, I want to see, like, what's going to happen with this book. I love what the cover's doing already. So I probably need to read all of this fallen world garbage to get up to date with what's happening in Rye. And I'm willing to do that if it means that I get to jump into this book. So that's what I'm looking forward to this week. They got you, Mike. The body snatchers got you. <laughs> they did. Yeah. This is the thing. And I mean, let me get on my little tiny, short, very just two centimeters tall soapbox really quick here about Valiant is the thing that Nick has been telling me since the beginning of like this company is that they do really manage to get outstanding teams by taking the money ball, you know, Mm-hmm. way of doing things and saying okay let's let's find people that are really talented but kind of like under the radar and like bring them in to do something short or in some cases something very long um for you know let jeff lemire and matt kent i think are perfect examples of that that way we can say like when their stuff really starts to blow up in the mainstream side to be like what else have they done and valiant's kind of there to say look at all this work that we've been working with them for yeah um and i think that's really interesting i mean dan abnett has a very long uh interesting career in comics mm-hmm. i mean he's the guy that has essentially made the Marvel Cosmic Universe really interesting, again, yeah. in the early 2000s. And I think the dude really knows how to write sci-fi stories. So I'm very excited to see what he does with Rai. That's sure. that's really what's driving me into the book. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, you know, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about zero issues and prologues and whether or not any of us read them or why these issues are important, question mark? I don't know. We're going to find out after the break. If you haven't heard already, Marvel just released a new podcast about the Fantastic Four called Marvels, based on the infamous graphic novel by Kurt Music and Alex Ross. It's made by the same people behind the excellent Wolverine podcast, and it goes into the story of the Fantastic Four's first encounter with Galactus and, you know, his herald, the Silver Surfer. The trailer for this is incredible. This thing sounds amazing, and if you listen to the Wolverine podcast, I think you'll really enjoy this. So if you want to learn more about Marvels, go to marvelspodcast.com, and if you decide you want to give it a listen, go to stitcherpremium.com and sign up with code COMIC. That's C-O-M-I-C. You'll get a free month trial of Stitcher Premium, which will let you listen to Marvels right now. That's stitcherpremium.com with the promo code COMIC.
For our show this week, we are talking about issue zeros or prologues or stories that are created to fix a piece of canon before the first issue came out, maybe in some cases. Uh, the, the question actually around this is, do you read these number zeros? Do you seek them out if you've missed it before the number one? Do they pull you into a new series? Um, I, I think, Kate, this was kind of a question that you had posed in our doc. Uh, we've been using a lot of Kate's ideas lately because Kate's got a lot of really good questions and ideas about comics. But uh, I, I want to kind of start this with... I haven't seen a number zero in a while until Kate pointed out that Angel, the Angel series that came out recently through Boom, had a number zero, and it was like the introduction to this new series, which I think kind of goes against the norm for number zero. So, Kate, could you tell us a little bit about this number zero? Because I know you're you're jumping into this whole new Buffy verse, right? Um, I'm trying to. I've read a couple of issues, um, and I keep pulling it, and I probably have like 10 <laughs> issues at this point that I haven't read. <laughs> Okay. Okay. But I did. um, I have not been picking up the Angel stuff because I never really got into the original Angel comics. So I figured I would see if I got into the Buffy comics before I got into anything else with this new canon. And so far, the answer is not really in terms of Buffy. (laughs) So I haven't been picking up Angel, but they did throw Angel's Angel Zero into my my Buffy subscription. So I did read that one, and. They seem to be sticking with the mysterious broody boy of the season one angel from the original show. And I really Mm -hmm. wasn't a fan of that angel. I really liked Angel when he became more of his own character and he wasn't so like codependent on Buffy. But it seems to be the same direction that they're going with this angel number zero. And it just didn't grasp me enough to keep going with his series. But it established what kind of character they were going to go with for the angel series and did help me make up my mind as to whether or not to add angel to my subscription. Okay. So with, with this number zero, was it like an introduction to the character and to the series and kind of what it was going to be like then? Um, it was like, I guess like you said, a prologue of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. It, It showed angel basically making up, making his decision as to whether or not to seek out this Buffy person, um, and, and establishing him, as a character in the universe and basically what his role was was going to be right okay well it's funny because uh when you brought this up it reminded me i did have a conversation with a guy that i work with and he told me that he picked up the number zero and then he picked up the number one because he's a diehard buffy fan and apparently the number one takes a totally different direction huh (laughs) so like that number zero wasn't actually a true prologue i mean if you're a buffy reader out there correct me if i'm wrong please but um yeah i heard this it actually went in a different direction so it's kind of funny that that number zero put you off of the series when i think it went in a different direction uh that's kind of what my experience with Buffy has been though I mean I'm so I'm such a big fan of Buffy in theory but then I haven't even finished the original canon in comics and then I have you know I'm multiple issues behind in the new canon so am I a fan of the Buffy comics I don't know anymore Well, that's interesting. I mean, what what I think is is funny though is that this number zero actually came out before the number one. When I think in ninety percent of or ninety nine percent of other comics, when a number zero comes out, it usually comes out after there's been X number of issues. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of tried to dig into the history of number zeros before we started the show today. Uh, I found some <laughs> some articles, but like, yeah, I don't know. What Paul? What are your thoughts on number zeros? You know, as someone that 
um, my started reading comics. My history with comics really starts um, with the speculation boom of the early nineties. I guess I'm trying sure, to say. Sure. So that's when I started reading comics. Uh, it's you know early nineties. Speculation boom is happening. So in my mind, I'm always tied in zero issues or number zero as a gimmicky thing. That's in my mind. I connect it to that. Not even the speculation boom, but the right after that, when the market crashes, like, oh, shit, we have to convince people to buy our books, slap a zero on it. That's cool, right? So it just seems like a, <laughs> yeah. an easy gimmick. And like, so in my mind, um, that's what I associate issue zeros with. I know they serve a purpose, and I think it's a different purpose nowadays. You know, I think the last time I picked one up was on Free Comic Book Day with Transformers versus G.I. Joe's number zero. And again, that's right. idea of a prologue, but... The gimmick of putting a zero on the cover, like that to me is always going to re- have the stink of the DC zero hour event uh, or, you know, bad comics I'd get with my wizard subscription. Like it's always going to have that taint to it in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's really interesting because I, I think that I'd never really heard of the idea of a zero issue um, until maybe five or six years into reading comics when, uh, you know, there was the big, huge DC zero issue month that they did. Yeah. And I remember all of this stuff, you know, a bunch of books, I think all the 52 books uh, and ended up being 55 books, according to Comic Fine. <laughs> all got mm-hmm. number zeros and those number zeros some of them were prologues or some of them were like none of them were prologues i should say because they all came out after there had been established issues of all of the series that were in um, the dc continuity and those yeah. zero issues were just kind of like uh here's what happened right before the number one issue or here's how this character you know and what their history was and how they got connected with other people you know maybe giving some information into batman you know before right. he was actually batman or superman when he was still a teenager um all that kind of stuff and it was always to me it felt like a huge gimmick and i know that marvel's done it occasionally um and i maybe have come across it like i don't think i actually physically own any number zeros but i know that i've read (laughs) trades that contain number zeros that were just like in a in a random thing instead of putting out an annual a series will put out a number zero issue or something if it's about a solo character to give you some weird backstory to me it always feels like a a course correction if they're trying to retcon something or introduce a character that's supposed to be super well established in some character's backstory but has never been written into the comic and so they're like oh no no here's a number zero it's like look they go way back 20 years nightcrawler's best friend actually (laughs) was a guy back in germany who had a mustache that turned into you know two arms coming out of his face see (laughs) see guys (laughs) i mean i'm completely making that up completely making that up but you could have convinced but, me that's actually an x-men story yeah. but yeah exactly exactly i mean that's x-men but at the same time like that that's the way that i feel number zeros have always been treated and you know i <laughs> i did do a little bit of other digging um and maybe I'll, maybe i'll save it for a little bit but okay I, I will read a little bit of this this one answer that i read on this site so stack exchange <laughs> which is like mm-hmm. a, a website where people can just kind of ask questions about any topic and they all have these sub sites uh there's particularly this site is like usually used for for coding like stack overflow is this major website where people like ask code questions you get responses and i guess somebody was like well what if we just did this for anything so there's like a sci-fi sub sub site and somebody asked you know what are comics number zero 
for? What are, what are they for? And this guy had a basic question. And the answer for this one I, I liked was, uh, an issue number zero is usually a backstory issue that covers information the reader needs to know in order to continue on to an event, which is perfect. Like, an example that mm-hmm. comes to mind is the Blackest Night issue number zero, which basically gave background on each of the Colored Lantern cores of the emotional spectrum and followed and showed a few stories on why they're significant to the plot of the overall event. Like, perfectly right. answering my whole thought of, this is just a gimmick to retcon some continuity. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, yeah, go ahead, Paul. I was to say, well, that's the idea of the issue zero. You know, I, I remember being young enough to think it was cool the first time I saw that because the idea is like, oh, this takes place before the first issue, right? It's implied in the issue zero. So the idea of that being a sort of outside continuity, and that's how DC used it, both in the New 52, like you mentioned, and back in Zero Hour, which, you know, I recently reread. You can hear my thoughts on that in a recent issue of the podcast. Um, mm hmm. But after that miniseries, they did the same thing, whereas across the board, resetting the character's continuity by having every issue have an issue zero. Mm -hmm. The problem is you can't really do that again, right? You can't have issues zero point. I mean, I guess technically Marvel did do like I was gonna point say Mar- whatever issues. Yeah, <laughs> Marvel uh, did point or- issues because they just wanted to milk more money out of you for <laughs> months and months. They did dot I and H. They did a dot right. everything. Paul, don't get me fucking started on the dot <laughs> issues, man. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, we we could do a whole other uh, topic episode about the half issues that I remember being popular in the nineties too. So it's issue one half. So it's between zero and one. You know. So um, yeah, but. Um, the problem is with nowadays, be, now you have most mainstream superhero comics are simply being rebooted every time there's a new uh, creator, creative team. You get a brand new number one. It kind of defeats the purpose of having a, a sort of prologue zero issue at this point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we've said, the idea of it being a, something for a smaller publisher like a, or a free comic book day giveaway as a sort of thing to hook a new reader, that's the sort of purpose I see them serving now, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and to get to kind of the, the question from the beginning of the episode, you know, do you seek these out? Like, if you see a number zero coming out in previews or it's on the shelf or something, is it something you're like, oh, I'm going to grab that to see what everything's all about? Um, or do you feel like even though there's supposed to be issues that take place before issue number one, they're still so heavily rooted in some sort of continuity that you're lost when you read them? I mean, Kate, I'd be curious to know if you've done that with any, like, superhero books. Have you picked up anything that's been like, oh, I'm going to try this, it's going to get me into this book, and then it turns out it wasn't? I The only issue zero I've ever seen sitting on a shelf is Lady Mechanica, and okay. I had never read any Lady Mechanica at all, but it being the issue zero made me know that it was before the canon really started, so I wasn't going to mm-hmm. miss anything. Gotcha. So I was drawn to that because I knew I wasn't going to gonna be out of my my depth okay all of the other prologues that i've read have kind of found me like with the angels angel <laughs> zero being in my subscription box and then um i the only other prologue i can think of that i've read is is isola which came again with with my subscription to isola it came with issue number six and it was just a short like maybe 10 page story um and that that like you keep mentioning that maybe it's going to answer some questions that have been left out of the canon. And I think that the Isola prologue did do that. It filled in a whole bunch of backstory questions that I had, which I don't Mm -hmm. think were necessary to have answered. It didn't fix anything that was wrong with the canon. It just answered a bunch of my questions that I felt hadn't been answered for the first five issues and were Mm -hmm. kind of becoming baggage. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I, it, that's, I, I'm stumped because I am actually <laughs> hearing that a number zero or a prologue helped you, and that like breaks my brain to a certain extent because I feel like a lot of these pull you in, and you're like, I, I need to read this because you need to keep up yeah. with the story. I mean. All of the dot issues, for instance, in Marvel, you know, is a big gimmick, but in my head, I'm like, this is important to an event that I'm reading, so I need to read it. Uh, and right. I usually come away disappointed. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it, Marvel, you got me for $4 again. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, uh, this is this is my superhero or uh, supervillain origin story, uh, by the way. His, the, the dot issues were simply too much, and it so the evil Mike Rappin rose to power, you know, promising to destroy all <laughs> gimmicky comic book tropes i guess <laughs> i don't know <laughs> well i you know i think the problem for me is that you know it does feel like a gimmick because if it's if the issue zero is a prologue then it's just the first issue you know it's should right. just have a number one on the cover you know the the examples that we've been giving a lot of them are from free comic book day which i guess the implication there is that hey if you missed out on it because your store didn't have it that's okay you can still get the first issue you right. know when it when it comes out in a few months but you know, the example of Transformers versus G.I. Joe's, I knew I re- wanted to read that book, you know, the minute I heard about it. So I tracked on the zero issue. But in my mind, it was just the first issue. It wasn't because it was a prologue, because I was going to read that book no matter what, you know, yeah. as part of the experience of reading that book. Well, and I wonder if in some cases, you know, like the, the problem with number ones, I think that we've talked about a handful of thousands of times, um, <laughs> you know, is that, you know, they got to hook you. The first issue's got to bring you in. And in some yep. cases, you know, maybe number zero doesn't have as interesting of a hook as maybe the first issue would, you know, like to hear and sit, sit back and hear the origin of, you know, the two main characters from Saga, you know, maybe that's not as interesting of a story as, oh, shit, a baby's being born <laughs> and yeah. like we've got to run from the cops. Like that's a more interesting hook for a number one. Um, I mean, if we get rid of the idea that a Brian K. Vaughn book is just going to sell regardless, um, <laughs> like, if you yeah. take a book like that, yeah. it's it, you, the prologue of like maybe the history of Wreath and or Wraith and I, I don't know, remember the names of anything. I've read this book like three times over. You think I'd remember all the characters and stuff, <laughs> but um, you know, to hear the, the the history of maybe the war is maybe not as interesting as the actual action-packed first issue and <laughs> some creators are just maybe they want to wait and hold that prologue stuff until later like in the in the example of isola like or isla or however that book is pronounced um where they yeah. waited to give some of the history and background until later once people were actually on board for the main story um so yeah i i i don't know i guess the the thing about these you know these books is uh you know, do you think that if you didn't read some of these number zeros that you'd be missing out on? I mean, or missing out on things like do these these issues have that much weight that you really need to read them? Um, otherwise, you know, what was the point of them? I don't know. Do you guys feel like if you don't read them, you'll be missing out? Not in in terms of the ones that I've read so far. I think <laughs> they all contribute to the story, but none of them have been necessary for my understanding of the story. Which I think that 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 reminds me a lot of this trend in prose young adult books where once a book gets popular, they'll put out a prologue or or a or a point five (laughs) novella um, in in that canon so that it draws people in that are already fans of the story and it just kind of adds to the universe. And I think that that's kind of what these comics have done is to just give you more time with those characters and to contribute to your understanding of what's going on, but it's just more content for people that already like it. But then what's the point of me writing all this fan fiction, Kate? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that's interesting. I didn't know that that happened yeah. in prose. That's actually genuine news to me. Yeah, that's been happening a lot since like uh since like the Twilight days probably. Hmm. Once something hits like a, a bestseller list, you're gonna see you're almost for sure gonna see like a like a point one or a point five story come see, along. If that, it's a series. that to me kind of reminds the that reminds me of kind of the model of I think really popular manga in Japan where you'll see the manga become super popular and then maybe a sub series will come out that's not necessarily important to the main storyline but it is about either characters in that shared universe or uh maybe there'll be like a what they call like a light novel um which is just a you know like a small novella that's about all the characters that they'll do all sorts of gimmicky things i mean on top of an anime um just to give folks more interaction with those characters i, I that's almost like now that i think about it kind of nice to hear that that's happening because in some cases you know like maybe you really do want more harry potter books i want more harry potter books <laughs> um <laughs> but you know the, the content's just not out there um but that's to know like of... what if harry potter came out today rather than you know right. 15 20 years ago like would we be seeing like sub harry potter books that are like overseen by jk and like the there's more content about the hogwarts school or maybe we'll get that forever or you know everyone in the world seems to want like a what if we did a story about james and sirius and lupin and you know all those people yeah. back in the day um i wonder if that would be more of a push just because scholastic maybe wants more of that book um Wow. I think that's I, how we got the Wires and Nerve books, actually, that are comics. Those came out of um, Sender by Melissa Meyer. Mm -hmm. And that's about... I have those two a, volumes a, yeah, sitting no. on my shelf. I've yeah. never read the, the actual <laughs> prose books. Yeah, I, I love I love the series. There there is a lot of extra stuff that ties into that series, including including those comics, which I'm really excited about. That they're doing a lot of adaptations and and continuations in comics from prose mm -hmm. books. Anyway, that's hmm. a, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> no, that's, I, I think that that's, that's interesting because I feel like, you know, number zeros maybe are trying to be that, but it always feels more gimmicky because they feel like optional issues in a lot of cases. Yeah. You know, like, Paul, it's interesting that you're like, I got to get this Transformers vs. G.I. Joe book because <laughs> do you think that if you missed that zero issue, you would have missed out on the rest of the book? Like, maybe you didn't get some information about some random one-off you know transformer that turns into a screwdriver or something <laughs> that would have like uh, <laughs> made the series less rich for you no i don't think so i think that zero issue was you know as as you've been talking i kind of had this thought that that issue functioned as a sort of dropping you into the series get you excited and then the first issue issue number one had a very different sort of storytelling pace so that almost as if the issue zero as with the Transformers versus, versus J.I. Joe example, the Green Lantern example you gave earlier, it's a way of doing an information dump without interrupting the sort of narrative pace of the rest of the series. That makes sense? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that makes absolute sense. So there's a structure that a 22-page issue of a comic book would have, and I think for some creators, the necessity of having that info exposition dump for a big event would interrupt that. So, oh, well, I'll just put that in issue zero, and then, you know, the actual issue itself will have the same pace that I want, you know, hmm. as a, as story beats go, which, you know, and then that's the Im Im implication I got, but um, I'm not going to miss out on a Tom Seeley comic, Mike. So Transformers is J.I. Joe issue zero. I was going to get my hands on one way or the other. There was no question. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Interesting. Well, the, the only little bit of trivia that I had left about issue zeros um, was that the first, there's like 
some history like cbr did an article a while ago about the history of number zeros this is in 2015 um the, the comic book questions answered article what was the first number zero issue and <laughs> there was a, a bunch of a little bit of discussion in the article but uh you know the the, the guy that wrote this thought oh was magnus robot fighter <laughs> Number zero that okay. came out in 1992 was that the first ever zero issue, um, and it turns out that it wasn't. Um, it, it the the first one that the you know the guy found was a number zero of Zap, and actually that mm-hmm. wasn't like a prologue by any means. Um, you know, it was actually the first issue of the series. I think R. Crumb you know put out uh, the the first issue of this as number zero. Just was like I'm yeah. starting it. This is number zero. <laughs> They didn't have any more information other than that. It's just like, okay. that was the first one, the end. But it turns out there's an even older one. Uh, this is uh, 1983's, maybe, how, these dates are all wrong. 1968 yeah. was Zap Comics. But then apparently there was another book uh, called Albedo. It came out as a number zero in 1983. I don't know. And it, it was dubbed <laughs> the first real issue. I don't I don't know. It's a whole thing. It's a really weird <laughs> article. I kind of forget that CBR articles are kind of just 12 pictures and 16 words so um not a lot of not a lot of info but zap comics was the first number zero uh i've never read any zap comics but i i'm guessing it's not like an origin of anything it's just the first issue it definitely feels like uh, mocking the idea of numbering comics like it's it's a little funny joke that our crumb probably had right sure so sure guy was a wild person so yeah Yeah, and again, to me, like the number zero, that to me is always going to stick out as an early 90s thing. And I probably had a bunch of them that I bought or got for free with my Wizard Magazine subscription, and they're all, they were all sold off long ago. So you can mm-hmm. see the importance of them, you know. And, yeah. and again, like most 90s fads, your uh, 50 cent or dollar bins at your local comic shops are going to be lousy with number, number zeros. So <laughs> if you want to find them, there's plenty there probably. Yeah, yeah. We still, one day we, we will do, like, I feel like we got to do that thing that, Paul, I think you pitched maybe two or three years ago of, like, <laughs> go to a dollar bin, grab a random comic, and let's just talk about that as the topic. Yeah. I think that's, like, a really fun idea, uh, especially mm-hmm. if something that you have no knowledge on. Like, I'm not going to go pick up an old X-Men comic because that would be no fun, but I think it would be really funny for me to just grab a random Jimmy Olsen comic and just bring yeah, it in exactly. and be like, I know nothing about Jimmy Olsen, let alone the <laughs> comics that he was in. And, I mean, I know at Emerald City I did pick up a bunch of random issues just based on the wild cover that they had <laughs> yeah <laughs> like uh-huh. <laughs> you know superman my friend my enemy question mark it's superman <laughs> blowing laser beams at jimmy olsen um like that's the coolest thing in the world basically but, uh, yeah 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 we'll, we'll get there one day <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know do you guys have any final thoughts on issue zeros i feel like there was it feels like this is just a big gimmick still i, I feel like there isn't really a huge point to them but i don't know if you guys have changed your minds at all well, you know, as I said, I think their function has changed or it's been shifted to something else. Because as we've been talking, I also remember that uh, I recently read the Brian Michael Bendis Legion of Superheroes reboot, and he did a little two-issue prologue, which, I mean, probably back in the 90s would have been an oversized zero issue. You know, but mm-hmm. now it's like, I'll do a little two-issue miniseries, I set everything up, then issue one of my series will come out. So, yeah. and I think with the... With the um, uh, frequency of series being renumbered, it defeats the purpose of having a prologue issue like that. But yeah. as I said earlier, I think when they pop up on free comic book day, you know, it seems superfluous, but you know, your mileage may vary, I guess. Yeah. What about you, Kate? You're going to go back and try angel number one. Now that I've maybe changed your mind a little bit about it. <laughs> um, probably not. Unless I get even more into the Buffy, the new, the new okay. Buffy comics, but <laughs> okay. I do, I do want to read any extra books that come out 
within the series that I'm already into. So Isola Lindy Mechanica, for example. Yeah. But I I would also read like, you know, like the, the, the Christmas specials for the giant days books. I read those too. And those don't necessarily inform the canon. They just, they just add to my enjoyment. Yeah, I mean, as someone who reads the X-Men, I get you. Um, <laughs> my, my always go-to. Though I will say, not all of those X-Men little extra books are winners. Um, hottest take of the year, wow. uh, last year's Christmas special was not my favorite, th- favorite thing in the world. Didn't actually finish it. Didn't actually finish it. Wow. Um, I know, I'm going to get, I feel like I'm going to get stabbed now uh, through the internet. (laughs) uh, Anyways, you know, I want to say, you know, thanks guys for joining me this week. You can follow us all on the internet. You can follow Kate at Kate Elfier. You can follow Paul at Oh Hi Polly. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. You can follow the show at IRCB Podcast where I post on Twitter and Instagram and try to be active. I was active on Twitter right before this show started recording. So please go follow us there if you haven't already. Uh, This show is powered by fans like you who join us over at Patreon. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash ircb podcast if you sign up over there you get access to exclusive audio you get the episodes early there's articles up there previews of our ircb schedule of upcoming stuff early access to the top of my piles post and much much more our goodreads group is a lovely community of comic book friends um, who talk about comics and read a bunch of comics over there you can join our yearly reading challenge which uh, i'm woefully behind on Uh, you can comment and on our weekly discussion threads i think this week's discussion thread kara posted something about problematic favorites interesting discussion over there so you can check that out at ircbpodcast.com slash goodreads speaking of ircbpodcast.com that's your headquarters for all things ircb including our creator pronunciation guide our discord server zines merch you can buy and everything else i read comic books if you haven't already please rate and review our show five stars on itunes and all of the other podcatchers that you listen to and we'll read your review on the next episode email the show with what you've been reading recipes corrections maybe some compliments at ircbpodcast at gmail.com Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Their new album is fantastic. Go check it out on Bandcamp or on Spotify, wherever you listen to music. Xander is a high wizard of the grandest kind, a good friend, and a great DM. He edits our show. I want to say thank you to Paul and Kate for being on the episode. You guys are amazing. I'm so glad I get to talk to you this week. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. So is everybody caught up on The Mandalorian? Can we talk about it? I haven't seen episode two yet. I was going to watch it tonight. Come on. I know. I know. Okay. I know. I was going to watch it tonight. Uh, <laughs> the I thought you were going to watch The Mandalorian. Yeah. Yes. Kelly hasn't watched episode one yet, and I, it's been killing me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Kate and I would just watch, the, watch both episodes this morning. Oh, nice. And she hadn't seen it yet. And like she was kind of half paying attention and like, you know, the Werner Herzog scene she thought was cool. But then at the end, I'm like, you have to watch the last scene. Yeah. Like you just have to see what the, the the big reveal is. And of course, she was immediately like, she's like I'm sold. Yeah, I'll watch this. Show. I know. So. I, I think that <laughs> I, I've got to imagine that I can talk about vague things. Be quiet. Uh, that I, I got to imagine <laughs> that um, John Favreau was like, if people aren't on board by the end of episode one, they won't be on board, period. And I think like he was right. ready to draw that line in the sand, but I have a feeling that he's going to rope in like with that he roped in ninety percent of people who were on the fence. Like I totally <sighs> yeah, feel exactly. like that way. Yeah.
Um, yeah, somebody yeah. told me that that the reason why that whole scene happened is because they brought George Lucas back or something. Like, I'm sure they consulted him, right? Well, I th- about I it, mean, so. I the, yeah. the thing about it is that with those I'm trying to be vague so that I don't spoil it for Kelly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, with that specific thing, right? You guys know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, George Lucas yeah. was like, that is off limits if I sell this company. No one can tell that story. Mm. And I, uh, I guess they brought him back and they're letting him, letting John Favreau tell that story, which I'm like, all right, man, let's, let's figure it out. Because okay. like, yeah. there's yeah. a whole lot of questions about what the fuck, that even, where that came from. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Oh, yeah. Brian was uh, saying they don't even have a name for the race. They don't. Right. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, they never said it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. It's not a place that I thought the show was going to go. Not that I had any specific expectations, but exactly. Yeah, I mean, I figured it was just going to be like a handful of little one-off things about like various bounty hunter stories. Um, Yeah, which like I'm fine with them doing a continuous storyline. That's fine. They just hope they know where to end it. Like I hope it has an ending in mind. That's that's all that I'm praying for. Yeah, I think that this hints at that definitely will because. You know, Werner Herzog's, you know, the client, there's obviously ties to the Empire there, whatever's left of it. So there's I think there's a much bigger story, but I like that it's kind of focused on this this one narrative of him finding the bounty and trying to get back home. But there's clearly hints at something much bigger yeah. at stake, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um especially given Werner Herzog's character and like what he's doing. <laughs> which like please tell me he's in the show more. I really hope like you watch episode two so you can tell me if he's in the show more or not. That's all I can hand over spoilers <laughs> well yeah okay well yeah not not the second i'm sure it'll come back later in the season okay. right uh, yeah i mean but. yeah so this so this isn't spoiler but um i was reading somebody uh somebody was talking about they went to a screening there's a q a thing or something and like someone told a story about being on set and they were filming a scene with the um the baby mm-hmm. but they were using a puppet and they would do the the special the CGI later on, mm-hmm. and then Werner Herzog asked John Favreau, "Was like, well, why didn't you just use the footage you just shot with the puppet?" And then John Favreau's explaining like they're going to do some additional CGI special effects, and like Werner Herzog just says, "You are cowards <laughs> for not using a puppet," which is the funniest thing ever. I mean, but it's true though. Like, it's it, look at Dark yeah. Crystal, like as a show. Yeah, exactly. Dark Crystal, yeah. Mm-hmm. like they can do it. It you can do it. It's possible. So, yeah. I feel like they have done yeah. quite a bit of puppetry with Mandalorian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Nick Nolte's just character. that one character. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh brother, good stuff. Yeah. Sorry, Kelly's oh, watching it now, so um, she's <laughs> okay. gonna have a lot of questions. I think after we're done recording the show, <laughs> and at some point yeah. she's going to go. <gasps> And uh, I just hope it gets captured on ca- on audio. That's all. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know you can. I know you can hear me. 